0: Blue Jay fans, welcome back to the second episode of the Welcome to the Jay podcast hosted by me, Johans Maniga, the former Crane Blue Jay, Canadian Rebel. For those of you that remember, we have here a very, very special guest from Ames, Iowa, a Consensus National Player of the Year, a three-time Consensus First Team All-American, two-time Lute Olsen Award winner, two-time MVC Player of the Year, Big East Player of the Year, three-time First Team All-NBC, First team All-Big East, NBC All-Freshman Team, NBC Freshman of the Year and Newcomer of the Year, NCAA Scoring Leader for the 13-14 season, fifth all-time in NCAA scoring history with uh, 3,150 points, Mr. 3000 himself, Mr. McBuckets, Douglas Richard McDermott is all with us. Welcome to the Jay, Doug.
1: Thanks, Jay. It's an honor. Uh, It's an honor to to be here. After Roggy, man, it's a tough guy to follow.
0: No, for sure, hundred percent. Like Ethan Roggi really like kicked us off uh, into a really good space. So I hope that you have the ability to follow up here. <laughs> how how you plan. been? How, how are things on your end for you in Indiana right now?
1: Good, man. Just uh, under getting underway with our team. You know, we're uh, we're five and two off to a good start. I think we're five and two. Yeah, we just had a uh, tough win, a hard fought win last night in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been going well, man. We're, uh, we got everyone back pretty much. So, um, we're just, ha- we're having fun with it. It's a weird year without the fans and everything, but, um, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun just to be able to play basketball. We're all really thankful just to be able to have something, um, during these crazy times.
0: hundred percent. You know, you just mentioned, uh, your inability to play with the fans due to COVID-19 and all that stuff that's going on right now. Uh, you were a part of the bubble last year. Uh, you had NBA players like Paul George. You talked about, you know, the mental difficulties that kind of came with that, being away from family, from friends for an extended amount of time. Your team made it to the playoffs, not the result that you wanted. You know, a tough Miami Heat team that obviously went to the finals, got the best of you. Talk about your experience just being in a bubble, um, being in that environment with those NBA stars and just literally, like, not having the access to everything that you would probably want to have access to.
1: Yeah, it was it was weird, man. It's uh. It was uh, very strange, you know. Um, it kind of felt like an AAU tournament with uh, NBA players. I mean, yeah. you just walk down the hall and you see Luca, you see LeBron, you see AD, see all these stars every day um, sitting by the pool with all these guys. And um, you know, for me, if I didn't have golf, it would have been really tough. I played, <laughs> I played golf pretty much every single I morning. You, I
0: saw you out there. you were posting it every time that you're out there. I think with McConnell, mostly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I played, I played golf every morning. Tried not to be with McConnell because he couldn't hit the he couldn't hit the damn ball anywhere. You you got a better swing than him, Jay. And uh, but I ended up finding Garrett Temple was a really good player. Uh, he plays with the Bulls now, and then played uh, with Jr. Smith a few times, and he was really good. Um, but Kyle, me and Kyle were trying to play a lot, but we didn't have uh, our schedules didn't really match up. But to, back to what PG said, it was tough being away from our families and just um, you know not really having anywhere to go like you couldn't leave the property so it it definitely wore on you a little bit and uh, I think our team it kind of showed in the playoffs we just I think we just kind of you know we were a little just didn't seem like um, you know we just weren't clicking because you just couldn't really do stuff as a team outside of stuff that all the protocols were tough so it was really hard to kind of mesh down there
0: yeah 100 percent so you guys had an extended break um how tough was it for a player like yourself you know you're a rhythm guy once you get a couple of games under your belt you're good to go but how tough was it to go from about I think three month layoff to all of a sudden you guys are in Orlando having a mini training camp before a few games and then it's like it's playoff time like the next time that you guys play how tough was it for you to get adjusted to that kind of new environment
1: yeah it was it was tough because you know this whole time the whole break kind of felt like the season didn't seem like it was going to happen so you know I was working out every day not at Creighton, but in Omaha, um, with, you know, coach Lusk and, uh, coach Jeremy, their strength coach there now at Creighton. Um, so I had a chance to really prepare myself, but somewhat in the back of my mind, is this really even going to happen? So, you know, when you're training like that, it just kind of, your motivation isn't quite there. Um, but I, I mean, I was still working my tail off. Um, and, and you just, you can't simulate a game, you know, you, you, you can't just jump into NBA games without playing any five on five. And, you know, we just didn't have a whole lot of time to really prepare for it because when we were here training before the bubble, we could only work out with one coach and he had to have a mask on. You couldn't play any two on two, three on three. So it was just really hard to get a rhythm. And I'm glad that that's behind us. And now that we can actually play real games and, you know, play in real arenas. So um, that's been great so far.
0: Yeah. The crazy thing about basketball is that, like, it's one of the few sports where you really have to play it to get into basketball shape. Like, I don't know how it is with most other sports, but if you don't play five on five and you go, you don't go up and down a ton, it's really easy to kind of get out of that shape that you're used to, you know?
1: It really is. You know, and I think, like, uh, you can run as many suicides. You can do full court shooting. You can shoot on <laughs> the gun. you, you yeah. can do anything to get you prepared, but there's nothing like Mm -hmm. playing five on five to get your rhythm, your timing. You're not used to like a contest being in your eye. You know, when we shoot wide open threes, we're not going to miss, you know, so it's different when you have long athletic guys contesting your shots and just trying to figure out the timing and everything. So um, that definitely made it challenging. And um, I'm still kind of finding that right now just because we're just getting in the swing of things. We didn't really have a, a very long preseason. So this has kind of been like the preseason, getting my legs under me. um, That's why I wanted to
0: go next with you. Um, So you have the playoffs and then you have like a way short pre or off season, I should say, than you're used to. Uh, Was it, has it been difficult to just kind of get back into the swing of things?
1: It it has, uh, you know, I think um, our new coach, Nate Bjorkren, um, uh, who came from Toronto, your your Raptors, um, he's been, (laughs) he's been, uh, he's been great, man. He's, uh, he's doing a good job of just, um, managing our our, our bodies um, not being too tough but just we all feel pretty fresh out there right now and um, you know I think for me as a shooter um, just getting those extra reps in is huge and uh, I've been just working my tail off to try to do that but um, it's been a good start it's been a good start um, I know the best is yet to come um, for our team we're still still clicking and learning the new system and know, yeah, I think I think we can be really dangerous uh, once we all come together.
0: It's funny that you mentioned your head coach comes from the Raptors program. Uh, I swear, every time I see you play in Toronto, you have a really good game. You had a great one when you're a member of the Knicks. I think you had another really good one when you're a member of the Dallas Mavericks. Is there something about that arena specifically that you like? Because it seems like every time you're up in Toronto, you light it up.
1: I don't know, man. I think it's having your family in the stands. hundred percent.
0: My cousin I, I, Carl, every time he knows yeah, that you're coming to town, man, he's so happy because he knows he'll get a, a ticket. I, I, always got
1: Carl, I always got Carl there supporting, And I don't know, yeah. just
0: some,
1: some of the people there, it's just, it's just good vibes in Toronto. Honestly, the The crowd is awesome. So diverse and just, um, you just really uh, appreciate basketball. They really appreciate the basketball there and, Maybe it's that Canadian anthem that we have to listen to, you know, before we play. That's, maybe. that's what gets me going. And uh, maybe, you know, Nate, well, like senior, I said, Nate,
0: senior night Nate, you know, they played the Canadian anthem for me and you passed 3000 points. So maybe there's something to it.
1: <laughs> I think it is man. Maybe I should start playing that before every, uh, every game now on my uh, Spotify. Maybe that'll get me going.
0: <laughs> right. So let's get back to the beginning of things. Uh, you know, you're born in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, Coach Mac obviously with his coaching career, has to move from spot to spot. You go from North Dakota to Wayne State to NDSU, UNI, Iowa State, and then F at Creighton. How tough was it for you as a kid growing up? You know, have, having spent a couple of years here and there and then next year you have to pick up everything and moving to a new location, meeting new friends. How difficult was that for you?
1: It was tough, um, but looking back, it, it prepared me for my NBA career, you know, having to move so much. Uh, so it's uh, it's one of those deals where, um you know coach's kid was tough you know because he's grinding from the d2 ranks to try and work his way up to where he is now and um, that came with some sacrifices you know you know me and my brother my sister had to adjust to new living situations new neighbors new new classmates and um it was tough I mean it's tough but also looking back I, I wouldn't want to change it any other way because I met so many people on the years and it, it's definitely prepared for me for you know what's what's happened in my NBA career I've gotten traded and signed with new teams so just being able to adjust to new locker rooms new personalities and uh but yeah it was, it was definitely fun looking back um you know I had a lot of different driveways to shoot on you know growing up
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you mentioned it like for sure it's a positive for you now that you know this is your livelihood this is your job you have to go from city to city sometimes from team to team so I could definitely see how that could be a positive for you growing up you end up in Ames Iowa uh for high school for your high school career Ames high Ames high I heard is the uh, motto over there uh you play on arguably one of the best Iowa high school teams of all time obviously your team was Harrison Barnes I think you, you guys went you undefeated. your junior and senior season talk about that experience a little bit how it was to play obviously with such a great high school town like Harrison and then just you know going undefeated for two years not a lot of people can say that at any point in their lives so how was that like for you
1: it was uh it was crazy man because i was such an under the radar guy you know i didn't really develop till i was like a junior in high school anyway so um i didn't play varsity till my junior year so um i always give my my coach shit because you know they didn't go undefeated they didn't get they, they didn't give they didn't go undefeated those previous two years and then once i right. joined varsity I didn't lose so it was definitely <laughs> me and not, it was definitely me and not harrison um but you know it, it was so much fun man we had we just some of my favorite basketball memories, just going into those small, you know, high school Iowa arenas and um, having it sold out and people wanting to take selfies with us. We're just high school kids. It was, uh, it was really cool. We were rock stars there in Iowa. And um, you know, there's been a lot of good teams that come to the state of Iowa and to, to be, uh, to be the best. Um, it's pretty special. I think uh, just having two guys like me and Harrison, uh, don't let, don't let, Don't like D Rock. Don't let Tucker talk you into Waukee being better (laughs) than us. Because, uh, arguably,
0: go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, you you could, you could have said the best. You don't say arguably. We're we're, we're the best. We're the best. And,
0: uh, that's exactly where I was going. I said arguably the best. You jumped right into it. You said you're the best. So, in your mind, you're 100% the best Iowa high school team ever.
1: 100% we can line them up right now. We'll play, we'll play anywhere, anytime. Um, and it's not just Harrison, it's Mike Weber, James Kohler, Riley Stewie. And we had a great team, a lot of, a lot of good athletes. And, uh, you know, there, it was just such a blast, man, such a blast. I don't think, uh, I don't think we lost a game by more than, I, th- I think we won every game by double digits. So it was, it was pretty crazy.
0: You mentioned that you were kind of an under the radar guy, uh, how often did you use that as motivation to just keep working on your game and kind of elevating your status, maybe through the high school ranks?
1: Um, It it was huge. It was huge because, uh, you know, all these big time coaches were coming to our gym every single day, recruiting Harrison, um, my dad included. Um, So it was one of those deals (laughs) where uh, uh, you see coach K coach self pulling up in you know, black SUVs, you know, uh royal williams billy donovan um and no one ever gave me any interest really it was just kind of like all right this harrison kid's really good and i knew i probably wasn't a high major player at that point my my career but i definitely used that as motivation just seeing those guys kind of overlook me um every single day they were watching us and um you know i think that really propelled me to have a good college career because i never really forgot that i always remembered that you know people don't think you're good enough um, so I think that that just really pushed me and motivated me to, to do what I did.
0: Okay. So we're in your high school career is coming to a close. You originally committed to you And, I. uh, what was it about that program that really had you feeling that was the place for you at the time?
1: Just the familiar, like just having that family atmosphere with coach Jake, um, you know, obviously growing up with him, he was one of my dad's assistants for a really long time. And he's basically like an uncle to me. Um, you know, we go up to his lake house all the time when we we're when we we're younger. Really close with their family. We still are to this day. And uh, just the Sweet Sixteen run they went on, you know, the Faroquetmanes yeah. shot, um, just <laughs> legendary shot, legendary shot. Uh, yeah, those, those guys, those guys are my hosts and stuff. So it was really fun just to be around them. I just felt like I fit in right away. I mean, I took a couple other visits, but um, you and I just felt like the spot for me. And uh, you know, I, I obviously. I'm glad that what happened happened, um, but um, there's no bad blood there. I know. Uh, I know some people feel that way, but um, you know, it, it was. It's an unbelievable school.
0: You, you and I is, and
1: I, th- I wish them the best. You know, going forward.
0: And that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit as well. Uh, you mentioned obviously like how familiar things were for you. Your father had coached there. Coach Jake was still there, and he was the one that was recruiting you. All of a sudden, Coach Matt gets to see you gig and he's like, Doug, I want you to come with me. How difficult was it for you to talk to you and I and let him know, look, I want to go uh, with my father, to as opposed to, you know, holding up my end of the deal and, and being a Panther. Yeah,
1: it was the toughest phone call in my life, to be honest, and I was trying to make my dad make the call. I was too scared <laughs> um, to, call, to call Jake. I was way too scared. Um, I think I gave it like, I like sat there for like two hours just prepping for what I was going to say, and, I'm not gonna lie, I've probably told this to people before, but that night I was actually was like senior week in high school. So I was at like a friend's house down the road. We, you know, we're through like a high school party doing what doing what high school kids do. And my dad calls me and is like, Hey, you gotta get home. I'm like, No, it's not my curfew yet. I'm staying, I'm staying here. He said, No, you have to come home. Right. I'm like, what did I like? What did I do? Did he find right. some like you know, like So I went home and I could just tell right away that something was going on. And, you know, he told me the news that he talked with RAS, Creighton's AD. And um, we kind of just decided uh, that night that we were going to do it. And then the next step call called Coach Jake. And he was actually very understanding, you know, uh, and that's why I respect him so much. Um, That's why he's still family to us. Um, You know, he, he took it really well. And I think if his sons wanted to play for him someday, you know, that's what he would do um, as well as, you know, grant them that eligibility and, you know, it was a really class move by him, first class move.
0: Before we get into the start of your Crane career, let's talk about this year's team a little bit. Um, Obviously, you're a former Blue Jay, you're now a Blue Jay fan, your father's still coaching there, Coach Mac, one of the greatest uh, Crane coaches in history already, and he's just, he just keeps moving, I think, only Coach Dahlman is the only guy you needs to catch at this point. Um, so now that you're a fan, uh, how do you feel about this year's team? What have you seen from them that kind of gives you hopes for them moving forward?
1: I just think they're so tough down the stretch. You know, I think uh, they definitely give us a little anxiety sometimes. Uh, <laughs> these games, uh, cause it seems like they're in control of them and then uh, some weird stuff happens, but they're finishing them. So. That's all that matters is the win, you know that, and you know how hard it is to win in this league, um, especially on the road. And I just, I really like the team, man. With Marcus and Mitch's leadership, and then um, I think my favorite player right now is Damian 100%. Jefferson. I just love the way he plays. He's kind of, he's kind of a glue guy in a way, like 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 you and Grant were for us. Um, just his toughness, his energy, um, and it just always seems like he makes the right play. And uh, you got to give the staff so much credit for. Developing him and how how much better he's gotten through the years, and then obviously Denzel being able to shoot um, from anywhere. I mean, they're deep, man. Christian Ryan, I mean Sharif, the way he's pressuring, um, just a fun team to watch, man. I think uh, it's one of the best Creighton we'll ever see, and you know we got to enjoy it because uh, they're special.
0: Yeah, I mean you know how it is. Obviously, Big East on the road is never easy. Uh, we went 16-0 at home our senior year, but we lost four games in the Big East on the road. So it's tough for sure. The two games that they struggled at against UConn on the road and Providence this past Saturday, right? Was it? On the road as well. So you give up one layup on one end and then Christian has the dunk on the other end to, to win the game. So I've, I have high hopes for this team, too. Uh, yeah. I see him going really far. Uh, I see him finally doing what we couldn't do with our group of guys, making it past the first weekend and having a Sweet 16 Elite Eight kind of bid. Uh, well how far do you think they will go? What's your opinion on how far they could go this year?
1: I don't want to say it, um, but I just I think I I think they can get there, man. I think they can. Uh, I think they can go far, man. I, I I don't want to say sweet sixteen or lead eight. Um, I don't want to right. jinx anything. Um, but I just I, I this team is built for that um, because with our teams, um, you know, we just weren't the best defensively at the end of the day. Um, I think we relied on getting hot from the three point line and scoring and they're finding ways to win without scoring or shooting the ball well. So I think that's the sign of a really good team and a team that can go far is a team that doesn't have to rely on hitting, you know, 15, 23s to win the game. You know, they can, they can have some off shooting nights and they can still, you know, find a way to win down in crunch time because they're so good defensively and forcing turnovers. And um, I think that's the big difference uh, between, you know, our teams and, and their teams.
0: And the NCAA just announced that all the games are going to be in Indiana uh, through various different facilities. So, Doug McDermott, what are the odds that you sneak into those games that we're ultimately going to be a part of?
1: I would love that, but I'm sure they're they're going to make sure we're on the road during that time. Oh, yeah. um, Because they'll probably probably be using our facility. Um, (laughs) But uh, that would be sick, man, if we could make like a deep run and be able to sneak into Lucas Oil or Banker's Life to watch them. I would love that. But I'm not hosting any parties over here, you know, we gotta, we gotta stay COVID, we gotta stay COVID free if yeah, I wanna finish, finish the season.
0: <laughs> I, I will say, this, that's one of the things that I miss about being overseas during the whole season, like I've seen you and, and other former Blue Jays go to games and actually have that fan experience of being at House Center Arena, looking down, at uh, yeah. watching the boys play and like actually having that fan experience, it's not something that I have a chance to experience yet, but... One day, one day, I'll be able to go back okay. home and we'll, and make we'll it
1: be happen. back. Hey, I, I, I haven't been back in like five or six years, so mm-hmm. someday we'll get our moment, Jay. We'll, 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 sure. uh, we'll be back.
0: So now that you're, you know, you're an NBA player, you've gone through a bunch of different experiences. Do you ever have a chance to talk to Coach Mack about strategy and things that he might be able to implement uh, on the on his coaching? on the coaching side of the game like does he ever ask you for advice or do you ever just step in and say hey, big guy maybe you could run this this or that and you know this is something that we do maybe it'll work for us
1: yeah he uh you know he watches a ton of my games obviously and you know he he'll steal some plays for sure um not just yeah. the stuff that we're running but other teams you know i think um every once in a while he'll just be like hey what, what was that play you guys ran like how did you set that up and uh, i'll i'll walk him through it you know on the phone and um, he's added a ton of that stuff for like his shooters, you know, for Mitch and, um, you know, guys like that, Marcus, just to get them easy looks from the three, because he's uh, head coaches in the NBA are just really good at ATOs, drawing up uh, sets to get guys shots. So he's, uh, he's definitely used it. And, uh, you know, the defense is a little different in the NBA because of the three second rule. Um, so he can't really put all that kind of stuff in, but offensively, he's definitely uh, taken a lot of uh, I was talking sets. to Ethan
0: about this the other day too, how Coach Mack is a genius with his X's and O's. I said that You'd be hard pressed to find three better coaches in the NCAA, like do the entire 365 some schools playing Division I basketball, who are better than them at X's and O's, out of bounds situations, after timeout situations. I noticed after last year's team, he would run a set, and then like you'd watch an NBA game, and that would be like the first two or three scripted sets from those, uh, from those particular teams. How impressed have you been with your father's ability to continue come? continuously come up with new things depending on the roster and all that like it's he must be very diligent in order to come up with new sets and new situation that put his best players in
1: yeah he's uh he's done a really good job throughout his career of uh, adapting and uh you know i've always i've always thought he's the best coach i've played for not just because he's my dad but just his his, his uh his feel um wanting to get guys going certain plays you know what they like to do and it really hit me like probably a month ago or so, you know, I'm in the locker room with the Pacers and you got Edmund Sumner who played at Xavier. You got Keelan Martin who played at Butler. You got Jakar who played at St. John's. um, And, you know, they all tell me, man, Craig was the hardest team to play against. Like your dad has so much shit. Your dad has so much shit. Like he, he throws a, bunch of different stuff at us he knows exactly how to guard us he knows who not to guard like they always tell me like his game plans are the hardest to prepare for so um that's when it kind of hit me um when I realized like how good him and his staff are are really um at getting his guys ready to play.
0: Since you mentioned that you know a bunch of former Big East guys who are on your team right now there's a question I was going to ask you later but you kind of brought it up so I want to ask you now You've been in NBA for a while now. You've had to be teammates with guys who you were competing against at the collegiate level. I think even Ron Baker was your teammate at one point in New York, right, if I'm not mistaken. How weird has it been to, like, step into a locker room and seeing guys that used to compete against and go at and the next thing you know you guys have to be on the same team uh, headed toward the same goal? Because I know for me a couple of years ago, I played with D. Davis from Xavier. It took me like three weeks to realize he's actually on my side this time around. So how has that been for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's strange. It's definitely a uh, kind of elephant in the room a little bit, um, for the first couple weeks or so. Um, but eventually you just, you click with them. Um, but you know, it took me a while to, you know, really take Ron Baker seriously after all those, uh, all, those, all those battles with Wichita man. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we gave each other so much shit, um, yeah. <laughs> throughout, the, throughout the course of the year and always kind of betting on, uh, Creighton versus Wichita. And uh, he ended up being one of my favorite teammates. So um, it's hard to admit, but uh, that guy, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, I I hope he gets better. I think he's hurt right now. And he's going to try and go back and um, make a career for himself.
0: All right, let's get back to your Creighton days. Uh, You're an incoming freshman. Uh, you're told that you're going to play at the four spot. And at that time, that four spot was loaded. In front of you was Casey Herman, Ethan Rogge, Wayne Reynolds. I know you're a competitive guy, but I found for myself freshman year, especially with two-a-days and all that stuff, it was kind of an intimidating experience. How did you find, uh, you know, a way to challenge those guys that were in practice and then eventually kind of surpass them and be the lead dog that we needed uh, for that team?
1: Yeah, um, it was one of those deals where, you know, we were working our tail off that summer um, and I just, my body wasn't quite there. Um, I didn't feel like I was quite physical enough to be able to, in my mind, I thought I could, but the coaches were like, we might have to redshirt, yada, yada, yada. yada." And I was like, you're crazy. And um, it took, I mean, unfortunately, Ethan and uh, Casey got hurt. Um, You never wish that upon anyone, but, um, you know, it it opened up the door for um, guys like me and, and you, and um, you know, it's hard to imagine, you know, what we did would have been possible if it weren't for our early career success. You, me and you playing as freshmen as freshmen. um, I think it just gives you all the confidence in the world, knowing that you can belong out there. You know, we took some, we took some tough losses, some growing pains for sure. A lot of close losses that freshman year. Um, But I think it just, it it got that chip on our shoulder Um, and it just woke us up a little bit. And we were able to use that as motivation, Um, you know, going forward in the next two years, winning the Valley and going to the big East and being successful there. So um, I think that early success uh, was huge.
0: Yeah. Speak on that senior uh, year or that freshman year senior class for us, you know, yeah. Kenny Lawson, Daryl Ashford, Wayne Reynolds, Caleb Corver and Casey Harriman. Uh, I know personally for myself, those guys, uh, you know, like a guy like Daryl, who I got the starting spot over was still encouraging me every day in practice. He was giving me tips and pointers to try and get better. Speak on their leadership and how it helped you uh, become the player that you were at that point in time in your life.
1: They were huge, man. I mean, Caleb and Casey, Wayne, Daryl, like you said, Kenny, um, you know, just they could have easily not helped us, you know, being – you know, Coach Altman's recruits and seeing a new guy come in, probably going to change some things up with the culture. And, um, you know, they, uh, they welcomed us with open arms and they didn't take anything personal. Um, They just wanted to help, help our careers. And uh, um, that's why, you know, I love those guys. We still talk to them a bunch um, to this day. You know, I heard from pretty much all of them on my birthday. So just guys that I'll always be in touch with. I'm sure you will be too. And, um, just their their leadership that year was huge. Um, we had some really tough practices. Um, if you <laughs> if you remember, and they could have easily they could have easily <laughs> they could have easily called it quits or thrown the towel, um, but they didn't. They never showed uh, uh, any quit um, in their face, and they just kept kept grinding. And I think it helped propel us to to where we uh, ended up being.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you know we had a bunch of top classes freshman year. Uh, we ended up losing in the semifinals of the NBC tournament. We take a bid for the CBI. We actually have a pretty deep run. We end up losing to Oregon and Coach Altman in a best of three series, uh, two to one. Uh, what did that experience mean to you as far as us kind of prolonging that freshman year? You know, a, a year where we had to learn a bunch in order to become the players that we were. Uh, what did that experience in the CBI run mean to you?
1: Oh, it's huge, man. I think, uh, you know, we were all like at first a little like, ah, I don't know if we want to play anymore. Like, let's just get this over with. And, um, you know, I think that's when they kind of changed their style on us. We started getting up and down, shooting a lot of threes and playing faster. Um, And, you know, we ended up having a great experience out of it. You know, that obviously the Oregon finish um, every time I see a point guard near half court, I get like the chill. Like I get anxious uh, after what happened to us um, with Antoine at Oregon. Um, So, it was a good experience, though. I think um, if that were if that if that didn't happen, I don't think we would have had that good of a year our second year because I think it was able we were able to get confidence from that um, playing those extra games. You know, we were playing we were I think we played more games than like the national title team played that year. We were playing the day after the national title, so uh, it, it was definitely uh, worth it. I would say.
0: So the following summer, we have a Bahamas trip, which I think was extremely important in the bonding and you know the forming of the culture that we ended up having for the rest of the years that we were there uh talk about that trip what it meant for our team uh, maybe a favorite moment of yours from the trip and how much you enjoy club hurricane which we all did.
1: yeah that's the first thing i was gonna say was club hurricane i don't i don't really remember too much. i don't remember too much basketball uh, I couldn't tell you who we played. Um, right. That was, right. That was <laughs> I remember uh, Club Hurricane and being uh, a little blurry by the beach late night and mm-hmm. trying to talk Derek Sebastian into swimming as far out as he could. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we were all, oh, yeah, we were right. all,
0: we were all putting
1: bets on how far he could make it, and uh, mm-hmm. everyone was getting a little freaked out, so he, he didn't do it. But Club Hurricane was definitely uh, – we'll be back there someday.
0: Yeah, for sure. I remember if it's, Coach if it's, Mack, still, around, if
1: it's still around, it might have closed down after we uh, after we showed up.
0: Yeah, I remember <laughs> Coach Mack being like, look, we're going to be in the piano lounge. We don't want to see any of you guys in the piano lounge like the rest of the resort is for you. Don't anybody go into the piano lounge. And like that was kind of our thing is that we would just not run into them too much, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was, that was, for sure. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, in the NBA that year, that was the first year that LeBron joined the Miami Heat. They lose to Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks. Um, obviously, Dirk has that Pandit shot. Uh, not a lot of us had seen it before. You come back sophomore year and it's in your bag now. It's one of your go to moves, and you kind of abuse a lot of defenders for the next three years, you know, backing them down a little bit, lifting your leg, and that little Dirk shot over them. Uh, where did you? well obviously we know where you saw that but like when did you decide like oh this is a part of my game that I could certainly add and how much work did you have to put into it uh, for it to become a shot that you were very comfortable taking
1: yeah I mean it was uh I remember that that summer and watching the finals um you know I had gotten invited to play that USA deal that U19 thing and uh I was really training my ass off that summer with uh with Brian Hoffman um out in Gretna and uh you know just watching the finals, it's like, why can't, why can't I do this? I know Dirk's seven feet, but you know, I can, I feel like I have the skill and the touch and the timing to be able to, to make that shot. And uh, once, once I started doing it and making it, the coaches believed in it and uh, they just let me do it. And I think uh, it's just huge when you're playing against longer athletic guys who maybe you can't get around or bang around with as much in the post. Um, I I think it's huge to your advantage because you can create so much more space and just super hard to guard and got to give uh, Dirk credit for for changing the game with that shot because now you see a lot of people doing it.
0: Yeah, like every other guy feels like they could make that shot. Now I see guards driving, putting their shoulder down and kind of leaning in and, and then leaning back for that shot. So uh, for that to be a shot that you put into your arsenal so early on, I mean, Dirk was very revolutionary in showing everybody that, that they could do it too.
1: He really was for sure. And I, I think the uh, NBA... Now, now more so, is a little more analytical. Um, so that'd be a bad shot now. Um, but uh, <laughs> now I'm just trying to get as many dunks and as many threes as I possibly can.
0: Yeah, you had a you had a really nice one last night too. And I see you, I see you trapping, <laughs> picking up full court and stuff, forcing that turnover. That got that Turner three to tie the game, anyways. So, uh, yeah, you I know, know D- D- you changed you, bro. <laughs> you play defense <laughs> and you dunk now. What happened? <laughs>
1: I finished I finish games, too. I, finish, I close it out. It stops. That's yeah. so,
0: yeah, awesome. funny. So sophomore year, we finally get over the hump. We come in second in the NBC regular season, but we do win the NBC tournament uh, championship. It was the first time, I think, in six, year, six years during that time that uh, Crane went back to the tournament. Obviously, uh, we had a lot of fun with it. We beat Alabama in the first round. And then the NCAA decides to match us up in North Carolina versus North Carolina. And your ex-teammate Harrison Barnes, uh, you already talked about, you know, how weird it is to, you know, be teammates with uh, some guys that you were opponents to before. How weird was it going at Harrison Barnes now being on the other side of it, where you guys were teammates before?
1: Yeah, it was strange, man, because uh, just uh, you could tell that it may have been set up a little bit, um,
0: major setup. We all we all called it out yeah. as soon as we saw it too on Selection yeah, so. Sunday. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was definitely a little bit to do with it, um, but it was super cool. You know, it was uh, just really weird because, you know, we had so many good memories together and um, just to be able to share that floor with him was crazy um, on that stage. And then fast forwarding further, playing on the same team with him in the NBA um, for the Mavs uh, for a little bit, just the, the experiences that we have uh, been able to uh, share together. Um, looking back someday, will be really
0: cool like you guys are forever going to be linked in that way you know being teammates going at each other being teammates again and then going at each other once more you know so uh obviously you guys are still friends I'm assuming you guys still talk a bunch uh what has been some of the things that he's told you about his experiences bouncing from team to team because you guys also share that as well
1: yeah um he's got the ring that's uh, I'm missing that's true. that that's very um, true yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: he's
1: told me about that and just what it was like to play with the Warriors and um obviously now he's in Sac, um sacramento and um Corey we yeah Corey joe um but we uh we, we actually another crazy experience i guess we got to do we played each other in india last year it was the pacers versus the kings and um me and harrison were over there and it's like dang we come a long way from ames iowa <laughs> here yeah. we are in uh, mumbai india um so we've uh we've we've touched them all and uh you know, it's, it's always fun to play against him and um, definitely like to go at him. And I'm sure he likes to go at me
0: too. Fast forward to junior year, we win the regular season finally. We win the NBC tournament finally. Uh, we beat, was it Cincinnati in the first round? And then we ended up facing Duke in Philadelphia. Things didn't go our way. You have a chance after junior year to leave for the NBA. Talk about that process and like what was kind of going through your mind. We all know the story how you ultimately decide to come back. But how close were you really to like really considering leaving after junior year?
1: I was close. I mean, it was always a dream of mine um, to be able to play in the NBA. And I, I was really, really close. That's why it took so long. I just kept going back and forth because Um, Kind of the beginning of the year, my junior year, I'm like, this could be my last, so I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. And uh, once it really came down to the last second, um, you know, it it really came down to um, talking with Kyle Korver uh, about it. And uh, he always told me, you know, you can't really, uh, you can't really put a price tag on your senior year of college. He said, I think you're going to play in the NBA one way or another. So. Um, don't rush it because usually when you're in the NBA, you don't play a whole lot early on anyway. So um, why not enjoy that final year with your boys and, um, you know, uh, play in the Big East Conference and experience all that stuff. And that really, uh, that really hit home with me. Um, and, and then obviously – Right when that happened, Gibbs got his final year. You know, everything kind of fell into place for us. So looking back, it was, uh, it was just God's plan, bringing us all back together for one last year. And um, it all worked out. And it was the best decision I've ever made was to, to stay in college.
0: I know for sure that our Creighton fans were like 44 points on senior night. He's sending a message. He's out of here. <laughs> like I'm sure a lot of people were thinking that too. And then we followed that up with winning the MVC the tournament as well. But you spoke about, you know, Grant Gibbs coming back. Uh, I don't remember what the timeline looked like, but was it – that was definitely after you decided to return, am I correct?
1: It was, yeah. It was like a couple of weeks after, I think.
0: Yeah. So talk about kind of like the, the connection that you and Grant Gibbs had. Obviously, he was instrumental in, you know, getting you some of the looks that you got. He was such a smart player. I know for sure, like for me, uh, from a guard position, he showed me a bunch of different things that, you know, sometimes you hear from the coaches but hearing it from your peer, hearing it from your teammate it hits a little bit differently. Talk about uh, Grant Gibbs and yours' connection and, and how you guys had that two-man game working for so long.
1: Yeah, we just had a good connection out there, man. It, was, uh, it started probably from just knowing each other growing up a little bit. You know, he was a couple years older than me, uh, but we grew up in the same area in Iowa and saw each other all the time at AAU tournaments growing up. I always kind of, like, idolized him. And, um, you know, he was, like, kind of a role model to me. And uh, we we got a chance to play on Martin Brothers Select, um, an AAU team in Iowa. Rose.
0: Another was legendary kind of, program. I hear about it all the time.
1: Yeah, you could kind of imagine him being the bully, you know, in the back of the bus um, to all these young guys. So um, there was times I wanted to strangle him. Um, but he, uh, he just had a good connection out there, man. He uh, he just had a, he had such a good he had such a good feel of just finding you. You know how it is. He just. You could see things before they happen, and with the way I play and the way with I, how I try to move without the ball, um, he just he finds a way to get you going, and that's uh, that's huge for um, a guy like me. And um, obviously, he's doing big things now um, in the coaching ranks, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he he works his way up um, even more. So, so, really happy for him, and it's uh, it's good to kind of pick his brain every once in a while.
0: I was just about to say, obviously head coach at the OKC Blue now, the G League affiliate for the Thunder. Uh, Do you ever have a chance to watch him coach on the sideline? Have you had a chance to go to a game maybe uh, before this whole COVID-19 thing happened?
1: Yeah, I actually went to one. uh, We were playing the Thunder last year um, and they had a game um, the night before. So I went with uh, Katie, um, his fiance now, um, and watched him coach and, it's just weird seeing him coach um, because um, you just can't imagine, uh, you know, such a, such a young age too, you know, he's, yeah. he's so young, 29 th- or 30, whatever he is and yeah. having a head coaching job. Um, and it, I just think his, uh, his swagger out there is, is great. Um, he really connects with the guys. I've, I've got close with a few guys he's played for and they just love the way he coaches. And now he's, um, you know, still doing it, and he's traveling with the Thunder now. He's actually traveling with them till their season starts up, and he's uh, helping out um, OKC
0: um, this year. Yeah. It's so weird that, like, he seems young for a head coach, but when we were playing with him, he was old as <laughs> hell.
1: I know, man. It is, it's nuts. It's nuts. It, we, were, we were actually in OKC together. Um, uh, he was over at my house, um, and we were watching some football or something. And I'm like, dang, this would be crazy, man. We're gonna be able to hang out a bunch, like, and then literally 24 hours later, I got traded to New York. Uh, so I gave him, I just gave him all, my I gave him all my gear, um, and said, "All right, man, enjoy yeah. it."
0: <laughs> of course. All right, so that's gonna bring us to some of our fan questions for today. Uh, the first one is Will Eisler. It's a two-part question. Uh, as an NBA player, what's your favorite city to play in? And the second part of that question is, what was your favorite College to play on uh, playing on the road.
1: Um. Well, I think we kind of brought up the city um, NBA Toronto, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah you see. do actually always
0: light it up. It's actually crazy. Every time I look at the say. box, it's like Doug at thirty-two. I'm like, whoa, where did this like explosion come from? You know?
1: Yeah, we'll <laughs> have to see how uh, we'll have to see how Tampa treats me this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, uh, college, um, I would have to say. Man, I I enjoyed Wichita. I know it was a tough place to play, but just those rivalries, man, were so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, those fans were so nasty, and uh, we definitely lost some close ones um, at that place. And we won some close ones too. So I, I would say Wichita, and then in the Big East, um, Big East, I'd probably have to say um, Villanova Madison Square. I would say, oh, yeah, that okay. is right, Spart- Wells
0: Fargo. Yeah.
1: Well, I, yeah, I'm talking regular season. I'd say, I mean, the garden was sick, obviously, but yeah. that Wells Fargo game after what we uh, did there—it's um, kind of <laughs> hard to say um, anything else.
0: Our next question comes from Peanut Butter Jenny, and her question is: What's your game day routine now?
1: Game day routine um, kind of <laughs> changes, honestly, um, with the NBA. Like last night, today, I guess we got in at we landed at 2:45 AM. So I, I didn't get to bed till probably like three 30. And then uh, woke up today and had practice at like one. So it's just a lot of uh, different time changes, but game day wise, um, I like to try and get up and make myself some breakfast. Um, kind of chill a little bit, hoping the Jays have a day game that I could watch um, mm-hmm. before I take my pregame nap. Um, then I take a pregame nap and I try to try to, get some good food in me after that and uh, play a little Madden or FIFA or something just to get my mind off basketball for a little bit, just relax and then head over to the arena and just, just lock in and get ready.
0: So let's go back to the end of your college career, senior year, such a memorable, memorable year for all of us. Uh, When I think about senior year, I honestly like the first thing that I think about all the time is you making that, you know, e three at the top of the key against Providence on Sierra Night to put you over three thousand points. The place erupting, and then I think they went down and scored, and I can remember D-Rock's face getting red as hell because he was mad that we gave up a score. And Coach Michael's the timeout that the crowd acknowledges you. That's literally like the first thing I think about. Uh, senior year. What was your favorite memory of that year in particular?
1: Um, I would. I mean, there's so many. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously that moment was very special. I still kind of feel like I blacked out during that moment. I don't really remember <laughs> it too well. I was just like so yeah. overwhelming and it was just the loudest I've ever heard in an arena. Um, so I kind of just blanked out there. Um, so that was, that was definitely up there. I'd say, you know, the, ch- the crowd chant like sweet Caroline after that, um, you know, our senior night, that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, there were so many good memories that year Um, obviously didn't end the way we wanted to, but I would say just, um, just that year in a whole, man, it was just, we took this, we kind of started this uh, big East journey for this Creighton team and to be able to see them cut down the nets last year. um, I felt like we all had a part in that and uh, you know, it's definitely cool for all of us to have a little pride and knowing that we, we kind of started the, started that for, for all these guys.
0: I find it to be a mix of like pride, but also jealousy. Like I was yeah. so happy. I was like almost tearing up, but I was also like, also like, damn, like I wish I was a part of that team right now too. We definitely had a shot at it. Uh, we felt just a little bit short in the regular season and in the uh, tournament that year, losing the Providence literally a week later. But no, I, I know what you mean. Like the feeling of like, damn, this is kind of like something that we had a part of building. It's a really cool feeling to have
1: definitely
0: definitely man
1: um i still still think about it all the time and just seeing them being number five and number seven and you know getting top 100 players now and just from all over the country um it's still a little surreal you know Um, creighton's a it's a big time program now and you know they're not, not going away anytime soon
0: so uh it's been really fun to follow you talked about blacking out when you made that shot. I had a similar experience a few hours after you made that shot. <laughs> so did I. So <laughs> did I. I think we that, all did. I that all scene did. Night night, Wow. Honestly, like it was so awesome. Like, obviously, you know, the feeling having everybody's family present. We were all, you know, shooting the shit, hanging out, talking, you know, kind of like enjoying the moment. That's what it's really all about. We have been to so many battles together to kind of all of it come together on this one night where everybody's in the same room. It's such an awesome experience. One that I'll never forget for sure. 100%. 100%. Uh, so you go through the grind of, you know, the NBA draft, preparing for it. Um, you get drafted by the Denver Nuggets. It kind of started the whole McNuggets thing. I don't know if it ever caught on quick enough because that same night you got traded to the Chicago Bulls. I think it was a much more ideal spot for you, obviously, that that rookie year. Uh, speak on you know the draft night emotions. You're finally in the career that you dreamt about, um, and then all of a sudden, like real NBA life hits you. Like, oh word, I'm getting traded immediately. How did that uh, feel? How did I like make you feel? What was like your emotions during that whole entire night? Uh, speak on speak on your experience.
1: Yeah, uh, it was so cool, man. I mean, just uh, before the draft, literally having no idea really where where I was going to end up. It was one of those deals where I was in the green room, but who knows if I would have gone lottery or, you know, fallen out of it. So I was kind of like scared. I was going to have like one of those Aaron Rodgers or Johnny football, like moments where you are kind of sliding on the board and the cameras are just on and you're waiting. Um, But thankfully uh, um, I didn't have to do that. And uh, I actually knew beforehand, I, once the nuggets drafted me, it was already Chicago um, that picked me. So I, I, I never even thought I was going to Denver. Um, so that was, uh, that was cool. I remember seeing, uh, your boss, Jeff Goodman, um, when I was walking off the stage and he was asking me about, um, Chicago and if it was real and I, I told him, yes. So, um, I think he kind of let the world know and, uh, it was pretty cool, but I had to stay there forever because it took forever for the, uh, trade to finalize. Um, but it was fun just to be able to celebrate with my family afterwards and all my friends that were there. Um, it was just a special night.
0: And one of the reasons why I thought Chicago was going to be a better spot for you, uh, that rookie year, you had a ton of veteran players who had been through so many battles. Uh, Joe Kim Noah, Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, we just getting into his zone. We all know who the type of player that Jimmy Butler is now. Uh, talk about that rookie experience, you know, kind of being, uh, you're kind of allowed to be a rookie in a sense because you know that those guys were going to teach you and, and it was a learning experience and you didn't have to really like step into a kind of like a bad situation where all eyes were on you and you were the cornerstone that was supposed to shape uh, the entire franchise.
1: Right. Yeah, that was huge. You know, uh, I learned so much from those guys. Um, you know, Jimmy's work ethic, um, just Keem's fire. Um, Kirk Heinrich, Mike Dunleavy, just great vets, great vets that I still talk to. And, um, you know, obviously it didn't go the way I wanted to there, um, Necessarily, you know. Obviously, having Fred was great. My second year was able to, you know, establish some some rhythm and some confidence, and just um, he really put me in a great spot. And I learned a lot from Tibbs too. I learned a lot from Tibbs, uh, just work ethic, um, just showing up on time, doing your job. And uh, you know, he doesn't really play rookies anyway, so it was kind of a learning year for me. And I I got happened to be around a lot of good players. Um, so I think if that wouldn't happen. And I don't think I'd still be in the NBA. I think I learned so much from all those guys. And um, it, it's, it's fun to look back on.
0: There's an interview that Jimmy Butler has with Chris Hayes. And he talks about, you know, like the competitive nature of those Bulls practices, which you were a part of that rookie year, especially uh, how guys were going at each other. They were talking to each other and it kind of shaped him and molded him into the player that he is now, which is why, you know, not he's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, what was your kind of interactions with that team? Obviously you're a rookie coming in you're expected to make mistakes, but guys are definitely going to let you know about it because they want the, the betterment of the team to be a very sound defensive team that is also going to take advantage of things offensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, Jimmy is one of those guys that he's going to, he's going to tell you how he sees it and uh, mm-hmm. there's no sugar in anything. And uh, you know, sometimes it's hard on guys. It's not for everyone. And uh, I think, you uh, I got really close with him there, my first two or three years, and you know he let me train with him a little bit in the off season. And I remember he got offered like a forty million dollar contract or something, and he said no. And I was like, "Are you crazy, man?" He said, "Just watch, just watch." Yeah. Like, all right, cool. And then fast forward a year later, he's getting a hundred. So I'm like, right. "This guy just—he's um, a product. I mean, he's just an example of just hard work, man. He—he he is all work. You know, he's got so much." better um, um and now you see him thriving in miami and um you know i'm just i'm really happy for jimmy because um, he's gone through a lot um you know in his life and just to see him being able to have that stage in the finals um was really cool obviously at the expense of us sweeping us was not i wish i wish that right. would have happen obviously um but seeing him how, how far he's gone in his career is uh it's been pretty cool. Another time. reason
0: why I thought Chicago was a better fit for you was for my own selfish reasons being able to drive down every once in a while, catch up with you, see how you're doing. Uh, one of my favorite experiences with you is watching you throw that first pitch at the White Sox game, uh, right after you got drafted. Uh, was that kind of like your whoa, I'm, I'm really in the NBA, like I'm, I'm on the mound at a baseball game throwing the first pitch?
1: Yeah, that was crazy, man. Uh, Obviously I was, I was so nervous, like I was so nervous. I'm like, don't, don't fuck this up. Don't just, just, just get it across yeah. home plate, just yeah. get it across home plate. And uh, I, I happened to, and that was just so much fun having you guys there. And um, you know, we had some, we had some fun nights in Chicago. That's for sure. That's um, a great city to be in um, right out of college. And uh, you know, it's
0: it such remember a fun time. Uh, Gregory Shanika was there. Nick was there. Uh, your yeah. mom your sister were there just a bunch of us were there and I, I honestly remember being like doug i swear to god if you don't throw a strike i, I thought you're gonna throw it 98 miles an hour straight down the middle for sure <laughs> yeah.
1: i remember we we're getting the outfit right you we were trying to fit we were trying to coordinate the jordans with the jersey you know we were trying yes. to get the right jeans and uh, uh-huh. you know, it, ended up, it ended up being pretty cool mm-hmm.
0: so you go from chicago to new york if i'm not mistaken Uh, So you spoke about, you know, when you came back for senior year, realizing that we were moving to the biggies, how playing in Madison Square was one to accomplish that senior year. But now all of a sudden you're in New York Nick and it's your home court. Uh, What did that feel like just walking into the Mecca really every day, uh, you know, in such a historic arena, which for us basketball fans and basketball players, it it means the world to us. What was it like being a part of that organization for that time? Uh, And what were your experiences with it?
1: Man, it was so much fun, man. I think those are some of my favorite basketball memories was being on the Knicks. Um, not just because the garden and all that, but just living in New York City and the teammates I had there were awesome. You know, it was kind of a, a random group of guys, but we, we got along so well. We did everything together. Um, you know, we, we actually had a pretty good team to start the year and just uh, poor Zingas got hurt. Um, but just being a, part of a, being a part of the Knicks, I know they have a bad rep, um, but it's actually a very good organization. Uh, They've had a lot of bad luck. And, uh, you know, I obviously wish them the best with Tibbs now, Um, but just walking out on that court, you just never take it for granted. You know, a lot of times in the NBA, you're kind of tired and, you know, you just got in at two or 3 AM. So you don't have the motivation as much. Um, But when you walk into that floor and see those bright lights with all the crazy Knicks fans um, chasing after your car, after the game, just cool stuff like that. It's unbelievable. I've, I've, uh, I'm so glad I, I got to experience
0: that. You're also a part of a pretty historic team. Uh, you were Russell Westbrook's teammate the year that he won MVP, triple-double machine. Uh, honestly, I think he's a guy that gets a bad rep from, like, the media and stuff like that personally. But uh, talk about just kind of being his teammate during that year, you know, seeing him grind out, uh, grind day in and day out, uh, doing what he does and helping secure a playoff spot for OKC in a year after KD leaves.
1: Man, it was so, so cool. Uh, Like I said, I mean, he, I was kind of nervous, you know, walking into the locker room with, you know, Mr. Triple double MVP uh, candidate. And he was just the nicest guy ever. One of the best humans I've ever been around. Um, Just, just a really good guy always looking out for you and uh, you know, got a chance to hang out with him a bunch in the bubble uh, in Orlando. And, you know, he's one of my favorite teammates I've had. Um, And we all wanted him to get that record so bad. We were kind of getting out of the way for rebounds, uh, uh-huh. trying to let him get his triple doubles. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, uh, you feel some pressure on those shots when he throws it to you because you want to make it so bad. Um, and, you know, I'm so happy for Russ, obviously winning that year on the MVP. And to be a part of that was so cool, man.
0: Yeah. And then you have a short stint in Dallas. Um, I-, I know Dallas would have seen that you really liked. But that following season or that following summer, sorry, uh, you signed a three year deal for with the Indiana Paces, which is the team that you're still a part of. How good did it finally feel to know that you had a home, you know, at the beginning of that contract and you, OK, at least for the next three years, I could kind of settle in and get my feet wet into a one locale. As opposed to your first couple of years in the league where you're bouncing around from Chicago to New York to OKC to Dallas. How good did that contract feel when you finally signed it, knowing that you're going to be a part of an organization for a while?
1: it felt great, man. You know, obviously it's tough when you're on your rookie deal. Um, It's a little easier to get traded and um, you know, you kind of a a shuffling piece, you know, so it felt great. Um, I I love the Pacers, man. I I loved them growing up. Um, It's an organization that just treats you like a family and uh, obviously um, bouncing around was tough, but I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad I got to experience all that because i met so many people um, every time I go to arena or, or play another team, I, I always have a former teammate or coach or someone trainer, um, cause I played on so many teams. So that's been fun. It's just the connections I made. Um, and hopefully when this is all done, my playing career, um, I wouldn't mean to have all these connections. Um, I think they're going to be huge for me.
0: Yeah. It's crazy to think that like literally a week before you signed that deal, we were at college world series together. I think I was wearing a Reggie Miller jersey. And you were sitting next to me, we take a picture. And then, like, a week later, you signed with the Pacers, which I know, like, you're a big Reggie Miller fan growing up as well. So uh, I thought it was just awesome to see all that come full circle. It's
1: crazy, man, because uh, I, didn't, I
0: didn't know what
1: I did at that point either. I was still interested. Like, who knows? And then a week later, boom. And now it's like, I go on the buildings here and it's just like, it's, it's surreal. It's really surreal. And, um, you know, I, I just, I love it here. I want to hopefully finish my career here. Just the teammates I have here and the coaches, um, they're amazing. And um, I'm enjoying it, uh, every second of it.
0: So you already knew, like, from the time that you met me, I'm a diehard Colts fan. Has being in Indiana for the past few years kind of converted you? Because I know you have 49ers allegiance, but has being a part of the culture in Indiana changed you into being more and more of a Colts fan?
1: I definitely, I definitely pulled for the Colts, man. I definitely yeah. pull for the Colts.
0: <laughs> That's right. And I, always,
1: I, I always think of you. I always think of you. I'm like, yeah. man, I, I'm like, why the hell is Jahenza a Colts fan? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's cool. Cause Frank, Wright, Um, their coach comes to a lot of our games, or at least he did when we were able to have fans. And, um, I just really like him as a coach and what he's building. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think they could upset some people. And I think they could make it a game at Buffalo. I hope they do. Um, and obviously, the fans here are crazy about their Colts.
0: So that's where you, you know why am I a Colts fan. You know, obviously, Northeast, uh, growing up in Canada, the first NFL game I vividly remember watching was Peyton Manning's rookie year. And then blue being my favorite color, kind of a reason why I chose to go to Curtin as well. Uh, it just yeah. made it easy to root for that team. So, yeah, I've just kind of been a diehard Colts fan ever since, for real. That's hilarious. So, this brings us to our second part of the fan questions. Uh, Dilly Fails is going to put you on the spot immediately here. Who was your favorite cream professor? And you have to answer this question. <laughs> who just who said this? Who is the question from? It's from a Twitter, uh, Dilly Phils, a Twitter okay. handle called Dilly Fails, yeah.
1: Uh, um, I would probably have to say t- Tim Tim Bastion, yep. yeah, he's my guy. Um, we still we still stay in touch a lot. Um, but Todd Darnold's right up there too. Another business uh, professor. Um, so many good ones though. I could I could name a bunch. Uh, but those two and um, guys that I you know still stay in touch with.
0: Yeah, the thing about Tim Bastion though, he was such a fan that I was a psychology major, and he was still my favorite professor. <laughs> Great, so. Yeah,
1: exactly. He just. <laughs> yeah. uh, he is He's a, just way, such a good guy. Exactly, He's, he makes yeah. some of the best, best wings in Omaha for sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, this question actually comes all the way from Cyprus. It's one of my former teammates when I played for Ammonia over there. His question is: What separates the guys? Oh, his name is Andreas Podikarpu. His question is: What separates the guys who make it to the league versus those who don't? Man,
1: that's a tough question um, because um, there's so many good players in the world. Um, There's so many good players that are playing overseas. Um, So I don't want to discredit them because I feel like there's a lot of guys that are playing over there that could probably play in the NBA. Um, One of the prime
0: examples is Nikola Mirotic, right? Your former teammate. He actually chose to come back to Europe, so no, you're absolutely right about that.
1: Exactly. And it's just, it's really comes down to, I would say, a lot of like timing stuff, a lot of luck. Um, Obviously, we're all very talented. but you just have to have the right situation, um, to be able to be successful. And some guys get it. Some guys don't. And, um, the guys in the NBA that really take it serious and don't screw it up earlier in their career by partying or, you know, yada, 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 like not working hard. Um, those guys aren't going to last because there's only 300 or 400 jobs, um, for, for everyone in the world. So, Um, It's pretty crazy. Um, And I I don't take that for granted, Um, but you know, there's a lot of good players in this world and there's a lot of them playing overseas, like where you are in in Lithuania and Spain and Italy, you know, Germany. Um, So uh, it's a tough one, Uh, but the margin, you know, it's close, you know, we all can play.
0: Well, Doug, I want to say thank you very much for being our second guest on the Welcome to Jay podcast, hosted by me, Hans Maniga. This was Mr. 3000, Mr. McBucket, Douglas Richard McDermott. Thank you, bro, so much. We appreciate you coming on and, you know, kind of sharing basically your entire story with Blue Jay Nation.
1: Thank you, Jay. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, it's always good to see your face. And um, I like that background, man. That's, that's dope. Yeah. I might need to, All the
0: memories, to- right? Made I know, place I know this is your favorite spot right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oof.
1: There's a reason that place isn't there anymore.
0: <laughs> right, for sure. We we shut it down, literally. This was brought to you by the Field of 68 Digital Network. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us. We have a lot of good content coming up. Once again, thank you, Doug, for joining us. And go Jays.
1: Thank you, Jay. Appreciate you. Go Jays.